Jesus. Lord, I'm asking that you would increase, that I would decrease, you would be glorified. Lord, would you allow these words to come to bear upon the mind, the conscience, the spirit of every hearer? I'm asking you would grant authority on the Word of God. I pray for an opening in veils that keep us shrouded from the truth that's right before us. Would you release revelation to the heart? God, would you come to bear with weight upon the Word of God and let hearts respond to that which is eternal. Draw us into the revelation of the eternal God. How we love you. How we love you. Increase, Lord, and let me decrease. In the name of Jesus, everybody said amen. Please find your way with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're on part 3 of a series titled The God Who Rewards. And we've been talking about the eternal reward system uh, that God releases... To those that serve Him faithfully in this life. And the vision of what it means to embrace uh, God as He is, the God who is, and the God who is the rewarder. And, to, and how it changes the way we live in this life when we understand that this place isn't all that there is. And so often we get so... We know it with our sort of the back of our head... But the, the function of our life, the actuality in which we live, doesn't seem to demonstrate that we're living with the vision of another age to come. And so what happens uh, typically is that we may have a, a mentality that says, well, I know there's another age, and, and sometimes our vision is skewed about what that is, but because there are so many voices in this life and because there is such... Uh, you know, entertainment and, and so many things that pull our affections and pull our emotions, though this place is geared to be something that we just pass through, and it's geared to be the, the, uh, the place where we say about it that we're pilgrims. Many times because of all of the, the interruptions and all of the things that this life offers and all of the the things that draw our attentions and our affections, we'll throw anchors down in this life and we'll live for this age predominantly with the, 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 mo- the greatest pursuit of our heart will be things in this age and we will forfeit what God has prepared for those who love Him. And we, beloved, these thoughts must shock our hearts because as we believe that there is a God who rewards, yet we live 
dim to that reality, what we find is we come fully up under the spirit of this, this age that calls us into the pursuit of immediate gratification. And that pursuit of immediate gratification in this life ends up being at the expense of the eternal. And there's got to be a reckoning now for us that would change us and our pursuit that we would no longer live primarily for the satisfaction we can get in this life, but we would live primarily for the fame and the glory of God's name unto an eternal reward and the vision of that. And so we've talked over the last couple of weeks about the delight in God's heart to, to bestow upon us eternal rewards and what it looks like to be clothed with beautiful garments and to be given crowns. And, and we've talked about the different things and, and the vision of who this God is that, that calls us into a faith, an authentic faith that focuses on the future. And so it would be uh, tonight, I, I would be just, I, I would be amiss if I only talked about uh, sort of the, the wonder and the, the, the beauty of those realities without also considering the potential negative side. And I want to draw us into uh, a picture of the venue in which the rewards are released to believers. I want to draw us into that theater in which God actually gives reward to His bride. And what that looks like when Jesus, the man Christ Jesus, stands as the one who is the rewarder and the judge of His church. That place is called the judgment seat of Christ. And that venue, beloved, I tell you, it is going to be glorious and it is going to be chilling. And it is going to be powerful and wonderful and a place of delight. And it is going to be, I promise you, a place of sorrow. All, in one, all at one time and the tension of it is going to be staggering. And I want to take us through a little uh, glimpse into that. I think it's essential that we consider the positive and the negative aspects of the heavenly reward. See, reward, the concept of reward is this. It can fully be something that God gives um, as a, a, a blessedness to the one who's lived their life in faithfulness and in, in a very positive and glorious uh, way, and, and, and it's it, the the idea of reward can fully be that that uh, amazing endowment of beauty from heaven, a reward, a crown, a garment. But reward, the word is used interchangeably. It can also mean recompense, and that literally, and this is for the believer. Hear me, recompense. It literally means just payback for a life that's uh, in un- unfaithfulness, been lived in unfaithfulness. And I want us to take into account these realities. And I pray that these words would come to bear upon our spirits. And that the eternity that's already within us would begin to shout to our consciousness. 
the eternity that's written on our heart, oh, that it would shout to our consciousness that we would no longer live with anchors thrown into the ground in this life, pinning us and holding us to that which is temporal and fading. But those things would be cut and broken and that our attraction and our affections that are lodged in that which is going to burn would be shifted. Good. I think I have your attention. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 9. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, that's present or absent in the body of the flesh, present or absent in your fleshly body, We make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body, that's in the body of the flesh, that's not talking about the body of Christ. Verses 1-8 through bear that out very clearly. That we might each receive the things done in the body according to what he has done whether good or bad just read it again we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done whether good or bad the Bible makes it clear to us that the the place or the venue for the judgment seat of Christ for the believer in this age is at the time in which the Lord returns. Revelation 22, Jesus says this. He goes, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me. When the Lord Jesus returns, and the saints are gathered to Him in the air, all the believers from all the ages past, are going to be gathered together with the Lord Jesus and an amazing assembly of righteous dead. Now, can you imagine what that will look like? The righteous dead from all the ages assembled before the Lord Jesus? I mean, what is that grandstand? What is the theater of that place going to look like? I mean all the saints, all the fathers of the faith, all the heroes of the faith of this life, all of our big name speakers and preachers, all of the ministries of note, every grandmother who spent her life in prayer that no one knows, everyone that lived in virtual poverty in this life, yet held true to the faith of Christ. Everyone that made it through this age with almost no gifting, as one that Paul described as an uncomely one, yet never capsized in his faith. The grandstand of all the righteous dead will all be gathered before the Lord. All the righteous dead at the judgment seat of Christ. Beloved, 
This must move out of the cartoon state that it has in our minds. It must move out of the fairy tale reality, and it must be impressed upon you and upon me that this is a day that is in front of us. There is a day that we, you, it is in God's calendar. It's an appointment with God. You and I have an appointment at this place called the judgment seat of Christ. And that thing has become trite to us because we've heard it used so often and so quickly with almost no clarity. But this must become a reality that there is a day when the man Christ Jesus, he'll, he'll judge the unrighteous dead in a whole entirely different venue. It's called the great white throne. But he's going to judge the righteous dead when he comes at the judgment seat of Christ. And when that happens, there is a day that you and I have an appointment with that reality. And the man Christ Jesus, the one who is our bridegroom, will be given full authority to judge us as his bride. The judgment will not be in respect to our eternal salvation. It will be in respect to our position and our reward in the age to come. And this, beloved, is a day in front of you and I. It's an appointment you and I have. At the end of every believer's path, at the end of all of our path, in this age is that judgment seat and this grandstand which I'm describing. Can you imagine what it's going to look like with Moses there? With Abraham, the father of our faith. Can you imagine Elijah and Elisha, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, all the prophets, John the Baptist, and you and I? This has got to come to bear upon us. It's not a fairy tale. This is real for us. And in fact... It could well be said that the whole of our life is to be lived out with the view of that appointment in front of us. The whole of our life is to be lived out with the revelation that that is where we are going. Eternity. It's written on your heart. It must come to bear upon your conscience. We live broken in this life Ecclesiastes 12 14 says this God will bring every work into judgment including every secret thing whether good or evil for the believer for the unbeliever the good and the evil it's interesting we repent of our unbelief And we receive the atoning work of the blood of Jesus. And it brings us into salvation. And every sin that would keep us out of heaven, which is essentially the sin of unbelief, is paid for by the blood of Jesus. Yet, and hear this because I'm going to show you the verses in a minute. Yet, what we do in this life 
good or bad, after we've received the atoning work of salvation, actually goes into the mix of what God considers over our life at that judgment seat of Christ. Stunning. Stunning. It goes into the mix, the good and the bad, even for the believer. Now turn with me over to 1 Corinthians. See, what we've had a little bit is a... uh, misunderstanding of the atoning work of the cross and a misunderstanding of our responsibility in this age and how we ought to live before the Lord. And we've kind of just thought, well, if basically I'm saved and so if I just tell Jesus I love Him every now and then and basically have a, you know, good intentions, then God understands my heart and it's going to be Okay. I tell you, that is a poor way for us to interpret the verses. It's an absolutely poor and sloppy manner to approach the biblical understanding of God's righteous judgment, even over His bride. See, there's a qualifying, beloved. The judgment event is a qualifying and a truth event that brings us into our station in the next age. And in that moment, our station in the next age will be made clear, and it will be a shock to many. Let's look at these verses in 1 Corinthians 3, 11. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. If anyone builds... On this foundation, the foundation of Christ Jesus, with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Let's consider these verses. I want to talk about uh, some of the thoughts in here. I want to go through some of the phrases. It's interesting because he discusses what people use to build on the foundation of their life, Christ Jesus. The uh, building material. The big point is, what's the material you're building with? Some material is precious. Some material is flammable. What's interesting Both people, he describes, are building something. Building something. And wood is actually what we might consider in this life to be a valid building material. Certainly we've seen many, many things in the natural, I'm talking, built with wood. And for ages, for hundreds and hundreds of years, people used hay and straw and thatch and all sorts of grasses and mud to build houses and roofs and and to lay them on the floor. 
And so it's interesting because he uses stuff and the wood, hay, and straw. He's not describing things that you cannot build with. In other words, he's saying there's people that will build and they will certainly build something. They will build things that will be obvious. They will be built large, perhaps, and men will see them. The problem is it's the wrong building material. The problem is, is that what they've employed their heart to has been the wrong focus. And here's what's amazing to me. He goes, the idea is in Christ, you can't build on another foundation. The foundation that everything is built on is Christ. And the one that builds with wood, hay, and stubble will actually be building on the foundation of Christ. Now, that's an amazing thought. Because with wood, I can build a castle. I can build a a massive monument. I can build high into the sky. I can build stories. I can even build it on the foundation of Christ. However, it's clear that the building built of wood is a building that will not stand. The building that's built of wood, the building that's built of straw, even in the name of Christ Jesus, that building will burn. And all that will stand in that day is something that's made out of a completely different building material. It's interesting to me because wood is, is large. You know, you've got trees, all sorts of lumber yards filled with wood. But precious stones are small. Wood is big. It's, it's obvious to the eye. It grows above the ground. Precious stones are small and they're tested through time and they're underneath the ground. Wood is what's seen to the, to the public and what, you know, many might consider as that which is great and grandiose. I can build massive structures of wood. I can't build massive structures of diamonds. Yet diamonds are small and they're tested and tempered and pressed through pressure and time and fire. And the diamond is precious. And I could have, I could fill this room with wood and have one diamond in here that would be worth ten times the amount of wood that I could fill the room with. Just one little diamond. The precious stones and the gold and the silver, they're precious. The wood, the hay, it's large and obvious but valueless. And I'm convinced of this, that that which is forged in the fire, precious stones, gold, silver, that which is refined and forged in the fire, it is all that's going to stand the test of the fire. For that which is not birthed and born through the fire will be burnt when it touches the fire. But that life that's been pressured and tested and fire has been applied to it and the precious stone of that life, it's been forged in fire. When the fire hits it, it'll remain. I'm calling myself into account as I'm calling you. What's the building material, beloved? What is the building material that we're using to build upon the foundation of Christ in us? See, I'm, I'm struck with this 
There will be men and women in that day that have built with wood massive things in the name of God. Upon the foundation of Christ, they will have built castles that cause the eye to wonder. And in that day, when the fire touches that wood, 100% of their life's works will be incinerated into ashes before them. And in that moment, can you imagine the sense of demotion that one will have had? He will have considered his life work to be a monument to God. And when the fire comes and hits it, nothing he will have. He will have, a, he will have a, a real sense of being demoted. He will think, I was over a castle and you have made it into ashes. No. You made it into ashes the moment you started building with wood. And he'll have a strong sense that he's been fired or dismote, demoted And the entire time, all that's being revealed about him is the truth of where he's really been the entire time. And his castle of wood may have had many eyes upon him, may have had many people considering, oh, look at the greatness of him. Look at his castle. Look at what he did. All in the name of Christ. And God says, it's ashes. It won't be a real demotion. It'll be a reality check. It'll be a, revolution, a revelation of truth. Here's what it says. Each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work what sort it is. See, Men's works, they're not clear to us in this life. The true value of a man's work in Christ, it's not really clear to us in this age. We're moved and swayed and things pull us and grab our attention. It has a little gleam on it. We tend to esteem many things that God doesn't esteem. But I promise there's a day coming when the works will be made clear. It will be absolutely clear the truth of one's life. Now, what a shock. You know, we've got to ask God to shock us today, to give us revelation of the clarity of our works before Him, the truth of our works before Him. Because in that day, beloved, in front of the vast grandstand, Clarity is coming to our life. Clarity is coming to our works. And the fire is what reveals the truth of the work. And here's the deal. There's a standard applied. God's word. God's opinion. No man's opinion can testify to the depth and the strength and the value of your work. No man's opinion can tell you whether what you have built is God or what you have built is going to burn. There's only one opinion that will matter, and that's the man Christ Jesus. He is so interesting. 
He wants to bring to light the truth of our works. And so therefore he uses a fully considerate, a fully impartial measure, fire. I can take any substance in this room and put it in fire and the fire will not be swayed one degree left or right based on what I put before the fire. The fire will treat each object that I place in the fire with the exact same uh, fervor that it treats all the other objects. The fire is completely impartial. You can't go up to the fire and say, excuse me, fire. I really tried very hard in this life. I, uh, it was difficult, though, because I was a 2006 Western Christian. And the spirit of the age was strong. And I couldn't find my way out from under the sway. And so, fire, would you turn the temperature down a little bit when you judge me? Because... It was difficult. You know what's difficult for me? Is there's no asterisk in the Bible that says this does not apply to 2006 Western Christianity. Every scripture that calls us into account, every scripture that commands us into the knowledge of God, every scripture that commands us into living lives that express the life of God through us, is fully applicable to us today. And that same fire that will judge the saints from all the ages will be the fire that judges you and I. All of our life's works will be put before it. In fact, all of our words, all of our motives, all of our deeds. Romans 2.16 says, all of the secret things. And the fire will bring clarity. It will bring the obvious to light. You know, the stuff that's unimpressive to men, the small stuff that we can't perceive, that we don't understand, the inner stuff, the meekness of heart, the servant's life done in secret. The deaths that people die. I'm not talking about physical. I'm talking about to their own desires. Those things, the fire will hit and those works will become clear. And you know what they'll be? Precious stones. Oh, in that day. Beloved, hear me. Oh, in that day to have a yes that was really a Yes. I mean a real one. Now we, we subscribe to it with our mind, but is the yes the yes? See, the fire's going to hit it. We're deluded, beloved. Do you understand? We're deluded into believing that our yes is yes because we believe it here, whether or not we walk it out here. We don't, it does, we don't differentiate between actually thinking a thing is true and living as the thing is true. And the fire in that day will try the reality of that work and oh, in that day to have a life of meekness. Oh, in that day to have a life that's been, sh- I mean, just, just doused with humility and given to servanthood. Oh, and that day to have a real 
secret life with God. You know, many will go years in this life believing they have a prayer life, yet their prayer life is really mostly missed opportunity. And because they have sometimes when they pray, they think that that equates to a hidden life in God. The fire's coming. Here, please hear me. Please hear me. The fire's coming to your life. The fire is coming to your life. Oh, on that day, to have forgiven my enemies. Oh, on that day, to bless instead of taking it in with, within my place to talk bad about those who have talked bad about me. You know why? Because the fire is coming. It's going to test my works. It's going to test your works. I'm not trying to condemn. I'm trying to sound an alarm for you. This is a day that's in the appointment book for your life. And those things that have been so unimpressive to men that maybe men have disdained and mocked and reproached. Maybe men have thought you a fool. You gave it away and they said, why would you give that away? I don't know. My heart just said to give it. Well, you need to get that back. What were you thinking? The generosity of your life to give when you couldn't and you still did. Those things are coming to, they're coming to clarity. They're coming to, to bear in the open. Some of the things that have been the most impressive before men, the big crowd, the book deal, the prowess, the platform, they're not necessarily the thing that God esteems, beloved. Let me ask you something, because I've been thinking about it a lot myself. What are your affections anchored in? You know your affections, what moves your heart? What have you anchored your desires in? Everybody goes, well, Jesus. I, I know that, but I'm saying for real. The hobbies, the pursuits, the passions. What's got your attention? What's got your energy? What's got your joy? What's got your joy? Because what we've anchored our affections in, I tell you, we will find we could have built amazing things in the name of God in this life out of affections that were misplaced. And when the fire comes, he will show that that thing that you built in the name of God was idolatry. And when the fire hits it, beloved, the entirety of many's life works will be ashes before them. Can you imagine that sense of loss? A whole life lived in the name of Christ, burned up in one millisecond of time before the grandstands of heaven. When the fire comes, this is the judgment seat of Christ. See, the day will declare it. You know what's not going to declare it? the applause of men in this life. It doesn't matter how many people come to me and say, man, that was the best thing I've ever... You know what? I thank God. I appreciate the encouragement because God knows my little weak heart needs it. But at the end of the day, 
men's approval of me will not declare the value of my works. You know what else won't declare it? Men's rejection of me. It will never declare the value of what I've given to God at the end of the day. You know what? There will be many who had the applause of men their entire life. They've built, I mean, it could be a business structure. It could be a ministry structure. It could just be a relational reality. And they've built a life based on men's approval of them. And they've gone where men would say yes. And men would say that's good. And they've built an entire life around men's approval. And I tell you, they'll stand before him. And in that day when it's declared the truth of what they've done, and the fire hits the work all of men's approval will burn right before them the day will declare it you know what else men may reject you your entire life what a waste what a loss oh that one you know they just so heavenly minded they're no earthly good they just give their life away I mean not saving anything for themselves Praying all the time. Think the poor is important. They could have had riches. And the rejection of men. Can echo in your ears. 80 years in this age. And I tell you. In that day the wisdom of your life. Will be declared before the grandstands of heaven. And when the fire reveals your life. Oh the beauty of the works of what you've done. Oh the preciousness of what it's been before God. And I believe it's going to be this way. The declaration of the works will be noised. They'll say, it's gold what you've been. Or they'll say, it's straw what you gave your life to. I believe before that mighty grandstand, the heavenly hosts, and that amazing courtroom with the throne of fire, and Jesus himself seated on it, your life's works will be declared. The value that they had. Can you consider what it would look like before the righteous dead from all the ages? When your life is declared, the day will declare it, for it will be revealed by fire. See, the fire speaks about the impartiality of the man Christ Jesus. I have two friends, they've both had judgment seat encounters with the Lord. And the one, the man was, he was young, and when he had this encounter, he was just 22 or 23. But he was having the encounter as if he was at the end of his life. And the Lord looked at him in the eye and he said, Saved but wasted. Saved but wasted. And he said he began to fumble and, and think within himself, how could he give an excuse? How could he give an answer? How could he begin to influence him? And when Jesus looked him in the eye with the eyes of fire, he recognized he cannot be swayed 1%. He won't be moved away 
1%. There is no influence man will come up with. There is no excuse that man will come up with. And the Lord gives us fire as that testing furnace. Why? To speak of the impartiality of his heart. And he said, God, give me another chance. Give me another chance. And Hebrews 9.27, like a thunder sounded within him. It is appointed for man to die once. And then comes judgment. He's dedicated to his word. He's dedicated to the truth of who he is. And righteousness and justice, this one, his throne is established, and I guarantee you there will be no fudge room on the day that our works are identified and clarified before him and all the grandstands of heaven. There is no excuse to sway him. There is no excuse and so the judgment seat of Christ it becomes the great equalizer. The fire is the revealer. The fire is the revealer. And it will be applied. And all the things done in secret. <laughs> all the unseen things. Oh, beloved. To have a life of jewels in the unseen that when he applies the fire, we can offer him the secret givings, the secret forgivings, the yeses that were yes and no one knew that you kept the yes. You didn't have to keep the yes because no one was watching. Oh, to have a yes that's yes in that day. Oh, to love my adversaries in that day. Oh, that when they've spoken words against me, that the reproach, I've seen it as a jewel, and I've said, it's okay. It's okay. Because the issue is faithfulness. The issue is obedience. Faithfulness to the invitations of grace and obedience to the leadings of the Holy Spirit. And we're deluded we're deluded when we believe our good intentions are faithfulness, beloved. Please hear me. Hear me now. Hear me now. When we believe our good intentions equal faithfulness, we are under a delusion. And the whole spirit of this age wants to tell you that your good intention is enough to gain favor with God. And it's absolutely a lie because the commodity and the economy of heaven is run on faithfulness. It's more than good intentions. Faithfulness is follow through. It's follow through. When I've said I will, have I. And all oh, that I would find repentance for every time that I made an empty promise. And he says this. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. I want you to consider those terms. Suffer loss. Suffer loss. Let him echo. Suffer loss. It's not condemnation. This is biblical Christianity. 
These are truth. He himself will suffer loss. And I am convinced that as men's empires burn before them and they sense the demotion of their heart and the demotion of their position as their title and their platform incinerate in front of them and all their life's works amount to zero before the man Christ Jesus, that there will be a strong and very real sense of pain that will sting their heart and they will sense the suffering of loss before God and before the grandstands of heaven. And I tell you, beloved, there will be a real sense of regret in that day. The ache of your heart, if you live a life for the approval of men, uh, producing only that which is outward, but has no substance in the inner reality of your life, the ache of your heart in that moment will be absolutely profound as you realize the gift of your life in this age, though you might be saved, the gift of your life in this age has been squandered in unfaithful living. Suffer loss. And the sting of that and the remorse of that will touch your emotions. So you say, well, brother, when we get there, every tear will be wiped away. That's not for a thousand more years. And even the saint in the glorified body in the age to come will experience the remorse of a life squandered, saved as through fire but wasted. Save, but wasted. We must ask God to shock us. To shock us. To reveal to us the real statement of our lives. Oh, let it bear upon us, Holy Spirit. For real. Oh, as you're closing in on this appointment, consider it. As you're pedaling down the final couple miles of your life, what will it say about your life? What's the clarity that will come over your life? Oh, that you wouldn't stand in that day stung over the sense of loss when the fire comes. You think maybe I'm being severe. Maybe I'm being dramatic. I can't touch the drama of what that is. In my state trying to explain what the drama of that day will hold. There are no human words to weave together the absolute amazing spectacle of the judgment seat of Christ and the fire addressing each one's work and the day declaring the reality of the wood, hay, and the straw, the gold, jewels, and silver. Perhaps you think I'm being severe. Let me tell you something. You know what's severe? God became a man and was crushed that we might have 
life with him and it's in view of the absolute horror of the cross that the judgment of the fire is then applied to our lives it's only in light of the recognition of the the uh, payment of the cross that we can fully understand the fire coming upon us what am I saying I'm saying he didn't crush himself under his own wrath and die like a villain so that we could live sloppily in this life and claim grace without corresponding actions the whole of the Sermon on the Mount lifestyle the whole of the Sermon on the Mount Jesus says hear what I'm saying and do them for the one who doesn't do what he hears it will be sand unto him in the day that the shaking comes. What's he saying? He says, the fire will come and try the works and the works will be burnt. He goes, if you do them, your foundation will be stone. And the shaking, when the fire comes, what you've built will stand. We don't have an opt out of this, beloved. We don't have... A way to explain it away. One more verse. Second John one eight. Second John one eight. Look to yourselves that we do not lose the things we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. Look to yourselves. Because allow the Holy Spirit to investigate your life. Take your life and put it before the Word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you in regard to your life. Look to yourself that you may not lose what you've worked for. You know what that's saying? That's saying that you can live a life of faithfulness, maybe five, maybe ten years. You can live faithfully for five or ten years and then live unfaithfully for five or ten years. And there can be loss for what you've worked for before. And this is the way it'll play out with many of us. Here's the way it'll play out. What we'll do is we'll come to sort of a acceptable level of Christianity. We'll come to that which is acceptable. It will look agreeable to everyone else. It may even look like we're on fire for God. It's not too hard in our country. Just be real. I mean, for real, apply my life to any Chinese Christian in the, in the house church movement. And I look so lacking and behind. I mean, where, where's the standard? Certainly not Western Christianity. It can't be. And so, what will happen is we'll come to an acceptable, reasonable standard of Christianity. And what we'll do is we'll be faithful for a certain amount of years to get to that level 
And we'll get comfortable in God. Hear me. We'll get comfortable in God. And then what we'll do is we'll be, uh, begin to accept agreeable sin in our life. Attitudes, actions, arrogance. And it may look like this. It's an anger issue, but it's not on display for everybody. It's just at home with you and your wife. And so what, say it's me. So I have this anger issue and I have this uh, uh, propensity to lash out at my wife, at Mary Beth. I lash out at her. And every time we get in a fight, I justify myself because I find that there is an issue or two in her that makes my anger reasonable. And so I justify my sin based on her action. Can I tell you something? The fire will hit that sin. And that justification of carnality will definitely uh, bring about a conversation between Jesus and I. And if I'm bold enough, hear me, if I'm bold enough to justify my sin in this life, to not repent of it, that will definitely precipitate a conversation between the Lord and I in 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 a day to come. Where have we emboldened ourselves in private sin because we think our standard of Christianity is acceptable to the culture in which we live? Look to yourself that you don't lose what you have worked for. It's discussing a life that pulls back off of faithfulness, faithfulness justifies sin. And therefore, it goes into the mix. And that which was built perhaps in a, in a righteous, good, positive way is then overshadowed by 20 years of wood, hay, and stubble. Living for the approval of men and an outward appearance without an inner reality of righteousness. Beloved, oh, that we had asked the fire to hit us now. Oh, that we consider the vast grandstand. We don't understand the date we have with the man Christ Jesus. He's going to look through the lives of of us all. And Malachi says there's a book of remembrance written. Ecclesiastes 12.14 says every good and every negative work will be brought to judgment. 2 Corinthians 5, it says that he may receive back to him what's been done in the body of the flesh whether good or bad before the judgment seat of Christ and oh that we would now say God shock me apply the fire now apply it now Revelation 3.11 Jesus says it this way behold I'm coming quickly Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. I'm coming quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. Don't let anyone talk you out of it. 
If you're living a life of faithfulness, apply yourself to it. In an even greater measure, ask God for meekness. Ask Him for humility. Ask Him for a a Sermon on the Mount lifestyle. Ask Him to deliver you from the spirit of this age. Ask Him to renew you in the spirit of your mind, to remove all the conformity. Let no one take your crown. Can you imagine the shock of that day? And all the martyrs there before the Lord. You and I having worn a USA flag. And we'll thank God for our country and what it's brought us in freedom to worship Him. But when we, when we wear a flag that we have our pride more in our citizenship in this life than it was in the heavenly city to which He's called us, you imagine... Oh, oh, we've got to get delivered. We've got to get delivered, beloved. Let's go ahead and let's just stand to our feet. Almost no one discusses the issues of dealing with the good and the bad at that place called the judgment seat of Christ. Almost no one mentions the challenge the tension of the bad that could happen the suffering loss and the sting but I believe if we're going to be biblical in our Christianity we must consider the realities of these things come Holy Spirit let's just pray for a moment Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Bring these things to bear upon us. Bring these things to bear upon us. Lord, I pray the eternity that's written upon our hearts, that it would begin to shout to us, bring these things to bear bring these things to bear God can you have some of Billy please oh the joy and delight that you have in placing the victor's crown upon your bride and oh the pain the challenge of seeing works in this age burnt to the ground squandered for the praise of men and pleasure in this life oh where's the motivations been beloved in that day when he will judge the secrets of men by the man Christ Jesus where's the motivations been what's the secret life before God like J. Hudson Taylor is a great missionary to China. He said, only one life which soon will pass. Only what's done for Christ will last.